I love to hear the sound of your laughter and the time that you have meeting people. If you happen to be worshiping with us for the very first time, One Hope, would you say hi for me real quick? Come on, put your hands together for our first timers. We're glad you're here. We hope you'll come back next week as we kick off our new series called Blurred Lines. We're going to be talking about some of the challenges in our culture and how Jesus, we believe Jesus is the answer to those struggles and those, uh, those situations in our lives. I also want to take just a moment to draw some attention to that worship guide. It's a great time now to open to the center so that you can take some notes as we talk about our heart for you and really talk about God's plan for your lives. Next week, I do want to remind you, this week we have one giant worship service so that we could have an incredible after party together. But next week, we will go back to our regularly scheduled times, 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m., so that you're able to make your way in a little bit more easily. And we are just delighted that you are here. I do want to take a moment to pray for the Word of God before we jump into studying it. Would you join me in bowing in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you for giving us your word that we could learn and grow and understand more about you by reading and understanding your word. And so God, as I share for just a few moments, I pray that each person in this room, that their hearts would be open, their minds would be attentive to what you want to say to them, that God, we would leave here differently because of your word, not because of a man on a stage, but because you're the son of God, because you're the savior of the world. And God, we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. Amen and amen. You know, since the very beginning, we've had a very, very simple vision around here. Our vision is to help you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference with your life. That you would just have a personal connection with God. You would know God. You would find freedom if there's an area where you struggle, because we all struggle. But you would discover in the process that there's more, that there's more for your life, that God designed you for a purpose. You're not an accident. Can I get an amen, somebody, all right? Regardless of what your mama said, your uncle said, or whoever said, God intended you to be here for this time, for this season. You have a purpose. And when you discover and you begin to live it out, you begin to make a difference and you start sleeping better because you worked for an eternal return on investment. You begin to care for and show up for people who are different than you, and then God begins to meet you in tremendous ways. That's been our vision. We haven't wavered. We're still doing the same thing five years later. We want to help you to find that relationship with God. But can I tell you, my wife will tell you that every time we have a big day, whether it's a, a birthday or a, as a friend called me this week and said, the, the birthdayversary, happy birthdayversary, all right? I'm like, which one is it? I don't know. But every time I get to a big day, the candle will be lit. We'll be at a romantic dinner on our anniversary, and I'll say, how am I doing? And for me, all those big moments are moments for me to stop and say, how are we doing since we launched in 2014, how are we doing? I'll tell you, I said it on video, I'll say it again. 608 people making decisions for Jesus in this room is a big deal. It's a big deal. It's what we're about. It's why we're here. And can I just say, if you're one of those who've made that decision, how proud I am. I was one of those many, many years ago, 21 years ago. I, I was one of those who said, no, count me in. I need to go all out for Jesus. And it's amazing to me to see what God has done in my life, and I believe he'll do it in yours as well. But there, there's this challenge for all of us, is there's the excitement, there's the big day, there's the, the intentions to do great things, but if we aren't careful, we'll, we'll drift gradually into decline. 
It's kind of like riding a bike. You know, if you stop pedaling, you can only coast for so long before you come to a complete stop and you fall over. How many of y'all remember when your mom and dad took the training wheels off for the very first time and you thought you had it, but then you didn't have it? I remember my children. I got it, I got it, I got it until they ran into the tree. You know, I got, and we said, you know what? You'll get it the next time. But if we aren't careful, we stop pedaling in our faith. If we aren't careful, we, we lose momentum and we begin to drift. We begin to drift into decline. It's what we actually call entropy. Entropy, if you want to write it down with me, is a gradual de- de- decline into disorder. It's where we just stop focusing on the major things. We, we got caught up in the minor and the, the menial things and the, the, the distraction over here and the distraction over there. And before long, the marriage that we were just passionately in love about and on that wedding day, we were so excited about, we, we get distracted and then all of a sudden the fire begins to decline. It happens to all of us. Can I be honest with you as your pastor? If, I, if I'm not careful, my, my faith can decline. My momentum and my passion can decline. And I have to do some things to make sure, to make sure that I stay in love with Jesus just like I'm challenging you. See, human nature is to wait until you run into the tree in order to do anything. Human nature is to wait for everything to blow up to say, oh, I need counseling. And around here, we believe that we should ask for it and get involved before it blows up. Amen, everybody? That, that if, you can, if you can say, whoa, 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 it's not going the way I thought. How, how can I fix this now rather than waiting for it to mess up? I heard a story this week about a couple that had been married for 60 years. How many of y'all know that's a long time? That's enough time to raise three different families, if you're wondering, okay, like to get them on their own. That's, that's a lot of baby making, okay? That's a, that's a big deal. 60 years, and, and the fire had kind of gone out. 60 years is a long time of looking at that one person, right? I'm committed, Amber, okay? I am. Long haul. Well, one day, the, the wife, you know, she's, you know what, I'm going to do something about this, and so... She came to the sofa and sat next to him, and, and she just leaned over, and she started nibbling on his ear. And he just stood up and started walking away, and she's like, wait, wait, what, did I offend you? And he said, no, I'm going to get my teeth. <laughs> he wanted to do a little nibbling of his own. You know, sometimes what it takes to get you out of entropy isn't much. It's just somebody coming along saying, hey, we got something better for you. It's just somebody inviting you to a church service like this where where people aren't humdrum about God, where people aren't angry that they have to go there. They're just excited to go to heaven. Y'all know we don't have to go to heaven. We get to. I mean, listen, you can pay for your own sins if you want to. I'm not. The Bible's clear. God sent Jesus to pay my debt of sin. And so I don't want to pay it. Listen, you would do a cartwheel if I said I was going to pay off your credit card right now. How about the debt of sin? Man, we get to know God. We get to follow God. How amazing it is. And so I've just come back to the question. You know, how how am I doing, God? How how am I really, how's this going? What's it look like? And I come back to a passage of scripture that for us, it helped us to define, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. It was the passage of scripture that just came alive to us and said, no, that's the one. We need to live our lives for that. 
There are three words in the middle that for whatever reason, this past three weeks, I, I keep reading the same three words over and over again. They keep standing out. I won't read the whole passage, but I'll highlight the three words for you. Ephesians 1 and verse 15, he says, for this reason, this is the apostle Paul, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Three words, I Keep asking. I keep asking. You want to know what I'm doing for you? I keep asking. I keep coming back. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. You don't need to know me. You don't need to know one hope. Listen, we're unimportant. We're insignificant in comparison to knowing the one true God and his son, the Savior of the world. Jesus. I keep asking, do you, do you know him? I want you to know him better. I keep praying that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. I keep asking. I keep asking. So how are you doing with knowing God? If we sat together, we just got a, had a chance today to have coffee, would you say you really know him? Or is he on the edges for you? Would you say it's become intimate and powerful because the literal word there, no, it, it denotes an intimate relationship. It denotes this closeness to God. I think it's, it's important for us to every once in a while say, hey, listen, am I going through the motions or do I really know him? Is this just a routine or is he really the son of God and savior of the world? It's hard in this city with, with 122 festivals a year. Come on. The saints are playing tonight. Come on, somebody, right? Go saints. I'm as passionate about our culture as you are, but I'm a little more passionate about God. I've had to realize that an atheist in Louisiana is somebody that doesn't believe in the saints, all right? For them, it doesn't even have anything to do with God. It's true. How are you doing? How about the second question? How are the eyes of your heart? Every time I read that, I think the question like, okay, Paul, I mean, don't you realize my eyes are up here? They're not down here. But I also realize that Paul was speaking to something way deeper than what we would visually and physically see because we look at the world through the lens of our heart. So when you walk into situations and you see anger and, and pain and frustration and, and racism everywhere you go, the challenge is, is some of that has gotten in your heart somewhere along the way. And you begin to find it. You begin to reciprocate it. You begin to be something you never intended to be. Because the heart isn't where God really wants you to be. Your heart isn't where God wants you to be. Think about our hope and our calling. See, your, your hope and your calling are very, very connected. Because if you don't know why you're here, you don't have any hope for the future. If you think what you see is what you get, then you don't have a reason to get stirred. And can I tell you, this is not the end. If you're still sucking air in this room, and I believe you are, okay? If you're still breathing in this room, God's not finished with you. 
There are people around you that need your love. People around you that need your care. There are people around you who need you to say, hey, come see this church thing. I know, I know you don't do church, but you've never done church like this. You've never, you've never experienced God like this. I want to encourage you to come back and ask the question, how are you doing? Have you discovered your calling? Have you discovered what God really has for you? In that passage of scripture, he mentions just a few very important things. The last, he says, how's your inheritance? How I need to remind you that all throughout scripture, the inheritance for the people of God is more people. That the inheritance of the church is God sending you more people who need to be a part of the church. Our inheritance, Psalm 2 says, ask and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. As a believer, we we stop worrying about how much we can amass in finances and how many houses we can own and how many things we can put together that that are mine. No, no. We begin to think about the kingdom. We begin to put the ways of God first in our lives. How about you? Do you want an inheritance from God that one day you walk in and you meet people that you never physically met that were changed because you talked to somebody about God and they talked to somebody about God and then they talked about somebody. One day you're going to walk in, there's going to be an entire neighborhood of people there following Jesus and in heaven because of you. I want that kind of inheritance. Now, I've often talked about the reality of growing up in a big family. My, my parents birthed six beautiful children. And as my son said, they did that six times. And I said, they did. (laughs) They did. (laughs) I slowed that train down a a good bit. We're at two and we're done. Praise God. But what I have not given up on is my inheritance in the kingdom of God. Listen to what I'm saying. God will give you a natural family. Beautiful. But God is giving you something even better. It's a spiritual family. The Proverbs say there'll be friends that stick closer than brothers. Why? Why? Because there'll be people who get the calling of God and the hope of God, and they'll come stand next to you, and they will be so close that you'll begin to change the world together. They'll become another family to you. There's a great inheritance ahead of us. Today, I I can't make bad days go away, but I can give you something bigger to focus on. I can, I can help you to lift your eyes a little bit higher to the plan and the call of God for your life. That's why Psalm 92 and 13 has been my theme verse. Read it with me. They're going to put it on screen. Would you read it full voice in the room? Come on. It says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. See, there's a promise that if we'll plant ourselves, entropy will never happen. If we'll surround ourselves with people who know God and have found freedom, have discovered purpose and are making a difference with their life, when we surround ourselves with friends that are like that, that begins to rub off on us. It's kind of like finding a fitness friend to hang out with, right? And you start hanging out with them, you start noticing what they eat and what they don't eat, and you start feeling guilty, right? And then you either give up or you stay with a friend, Right? You stay with the friend because you see that they're making choices that are going to help you to become the person you desire to be. In our world, if you want to fight off entropy, you have to find yourself in the family. You have to plant yourself in a life-giving place that's passionate about Jesus. Recently, I was uh, really focusing on this flourishing. What does it look like to flourish? 
And, and I came across a story about Death Valley in California, the Death Valley National Forest and, and National Park area. And so I told our team, I said, listen, I want you to get some pictures. I want to show, I want to show this story. I said, so, so would you get, get a picture of Death Valley? And, and this is the first thing they sent me, everybody. Y'all are, y'all are messed up. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't even get out of football when your pastor calls you. Right? But in California, in Death Valley National Park, this is what it actually looks like. It looks dead. I don't know how well you can see that if you can't use the Google, as my dad says, all right? And, uh, and, and look it up. But Death Valley is barren. Every year, it gets less than two inches of rain. It's hard for anything to grow there. It's hard for animals to live there. And it's just, it's a barren and dead place. They call it Death Valley for a reason. But every, uh, every few years, there is a, a, a kind of a random major storm. In October of 2015, there were just torrential rains in Death Valley. Torrential rains. And in the spring of 2016, this is what happened. They called it a super bloom. Can you see all the flowers? Where where there was once death, all of a sudden there was life. Show the next picture. I love this one because it's got some purple and gold in there. I feel like it's, it's why we call it Death Valley, everybody. But I was, I was listening to this story and watching National Geographic. And here's what the park ranger said. He said, Death Valley wasn't dead It was dormant. The seed was always there. It just needed water. Listen to me today. You may have fallen into entropy. You may have stumbled into disorder. You may have declined in ways that you wish you never would have. But I need to tell you, listen, your death valley isn't dead. The seeds, the seeds for a better life are all around us. And all you need is to come to a good watering hole, everybody. All you need is to come to an environment where the the presence of God and the the grace of God is showing up there for you. If you will just open your heart, the things that you thought are dead and gone, how I'm never going to find a spouse. Hey, that's a lie. I'm never going to have children. That's a lie. I'm never going to make a difference. That's a lie. I'm an accident. No, no, it's a lie. All of that is the seed of the enemy being planted in your life. And he wants you to buy into that lie so that you'll just, you'll fall back, you'll decline, and then you will maybe make it into heaven, but you'll make it there by yourself. But if you'll flourish, people will come by and say, oh my gosh, what happened to you, Tess? And you'll say, it's the grace of God. They'll walk by and they'll see the beauty and the joy of your life and they'll say, no, that can't be an accident. How do you overcome depression? How do you overcome anxiety? It's the joy of the Lord. You begin to be this person who not only had water poured into their life, but as Jesus said, you begin to be a well yourself. And your life begins to overflow into other people's lives. That's the move of God we want for you. That's the dream. The question of the day is what will define your life? Entropy or flourishing? Are your best days behind you? Are they still ahead of you? Is retirement the backing away of everything? Or is retirement God opening the next door for you to make a difference with your life? 
Come on, if you're young in the room and and you're finishing college and you're wondering what your future looks like, I need you to know that, listen, the job isn't everything. The job isn't God. The family isn't God. You need God at the center. Then the job makes difference and the family makes a difference and everything you touch grows because God is at the center of it. You begin to flourish. As I was studying the park ranger, I thought, man, that park ranger, he could preach, right? (laughs) He could, I need to get him up to talk about how there's life. I realized that there's a story in the Old Testament of the Bible that talks about a, a valley that had dry and dead bones in it. And God brings a man of God, a prophet, Ezekiel, and he brings him to the valley and he says, what do you see in this valley? And the prophet is honest. He's kind of like, I, you know, I, I see some bad stuff. And then he begins to say, no, no, I want you to look through the eyes of faith. And God begins to stretch. And we find the story in Ezekiel 37 and 1. It'll be on screen so you can follow along. Ezekiel said, the hand of the Lord was on me. And he brought, brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. How many of y'all know that's kind of the the cop-out answer? Like, God, you're God. You're supposed to be telling me. I mean, I don't know why you're asking me, God. If you want them to live, you can, you know, but it's all up to you, God. Have you ever prayed that prayer? God, if you want to give me that Maserati, I'll take it, God, you know? It's really up to you. Right? We pray those kinds of prayers. That's, that's Ezekiel's response in the middle. Then he said to me, the Lord said to me, I need you, no, no, I need you to prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to the dry areas of your life, one hope. I will will make breath into you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know, what will you know? That I am the Lord. When he takes the broken area of your life and heals it and allows you to use it to touch other people's lives, then you will know that he is the Lord, that he is the one that deserves all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. The question is, will you bring it to him and allow him to do it? I love how he talks about that he's going to put some skin on those bones. Do y'all realize that skeletons are what we break out this time of the year to scare people, right? And so he said, no, no, I'm going to make you beautiful in the process. I'm going, to, I'm going to make you attractive in the process. And so the church, the church that is passionate about Jesus, not the organization, the people who are passionate about Jesus, they begin to look like him and there's an attractiveness to the world. So today, as we, we prepare to wrap up our time in the word, I always like to take a moment, same passage of scripture to give you three things that will practically help you to turn off the decline and turn on flourishing with God. Because I don't know about you, I'm tired of the decline in our culture. I'm tired of the hatefulness in every social media platform. I'm tired of it, and and what I don't wanna be is another ranting voice on the other side saying, y'all need to stop, like, and then what you sound like is just another barking voice on the other side. 
What would it be like if we filled the place with life and love? And they just said, well, how, how, how is it that you don't even need social media? Because I have a social life. <laughs> That'll preach. How many of y'all know that your phones aren't people? I mean, you can lay it on the pillow next to you, but it's not warming anything, okay? <laughs> I'm gonna give you three things that you need to do in your life that will change everything. Here's the first. It's what the Lord said to Ezekiel. He said, prophesy the word of the Lord. First thing, number one, you have to choose to listen to the word of the Lord. There's a lot of voices. Come on, turn on any news station right now. They're battling for commercial time. They're battling for your eyes. And the longer you watch it, the more you will decline. The longer you watch it, the more angry you will become because it's frustrating and it's outside. What you need to come back to is what is God calling us to do and what does the word of the Lord say to you? Now, some of you may say, well, where, where do I get that? Well, listen, we start with the Bible. It's the number one best-selling book in the world of all time right now for a reason. And so we just say, listen, just start with the book of John. Read the story of Jesus. Go, go to the book of Acts. Read the story of the beginning of the church, the history of it. Then go to the book of Romans. You begin to realize how much you need God and how much God wants to do work in your life. So you just start reading a little bit. You begin to realize that this is provable history. The word of God is everything. It will change everything in your life if you'll begin to found your life on the word of God. I've been blessed to have parents that pastored for many, many years. But can I tell you, I'm not following Jesus because my parents were pastors. I'm following Jesus because the word of God came true in my life. I'm following God because I had a moment where God showed up for me and it changed the trajectory of my life. You need to listen for the word of God. If you'll go there, you'll begin to hear the word of the Lord and begin to change your life. You can be in a room like this and hearing it with your ears, but not hearing it with your heart. And today what I'm asking you is to open the eyes of your heart. Let them be enlightened for what God has for you. Hebrews chapter one and verse one said, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. He is speaking to us through Jesus. It's not gonna be on screen, but John 1, 1, for you extra note takers says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God, and the word dwelt among us and became flesh. He's talking about Jesus. So the word of God in Jesus are synonymous. You need to find Jesus through his word. Here's the second thing I would encourage you to do, and that is to take a deep breath. Can we do it all together all in this room? Come on, one, two, three. You know, we, we've had to design apps on our watches and phones to tell us to take a breath because we're running at a pace that's just crazy. Can I just tell you, your body, your mind, your life was not designed to be running as many hours as it is, to be looking at screens as much as it is. Your body and mind were designed to take a walk in the grass and sit down with somebody and talk about what might be above us and is there a God in heaven? Some of us just need to take a breath, but here's what happens. When you take a breath, you begin to realize that you're not an earthly being, you're a spiritual being. See, you're a spiritual being having a temporary earthly experience. I need to help you to understand that when you begin to slow things down, you realize that the Spirit of God comes in. You begin to find hope. You begin to find life. You begin to find the presence of God show up in tremendous ways. I'm just encouraging you. 
Maybe you came to church many, many years ago and you got burnt out by how hard or how much or what it looked like or the guy on the stage didn't say what he was supposed to say. Can I just tell you, (laughs) I'm never gonna be that good to get it all right. For whatever reason you were pulled out, for whatever reason you, you, you fell into decline, now's the time, now's the time to come back and say, no, no, I'm gonna drink the water of life and I'm gonna let the spirit of God begin to come to change my life. You know, I'm looking forward to heaven. I'm looking forward to a spiritual life. You know, uh, I, I'm planning on getting a spiritual body when I get to heaven. Y'all know that? See, in heaven, there are no receding hairlines and there are no growing waistlines. Can I get an amen from somebody? <laughs> some of y'all, some of y'all, you're not going to change. You already look good. You're going to look that good in heaven. Some of us, we're going to get better. <laughs> some of us are going to get so much better. So Matthew 11, Jesus says, so come to me, all you who are weary, burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. If your life has become heavy, it's because you're carrying it, and God is not. If your life has become so burdensome that you don't know what to do or where to go, it's because you have not taken your life and handed it to God. Now is the time to come to him again and say, let's do it, God. So number three, as we close, it's time to start again. It's time to allow that new life to grow. It's time to grab hold of it and say, no, no, he's not finished with me yet. I'm still here. I'm not too old. I'm not too young. I'm not in between. No, 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 this is my season to light a fire and to go all out for God, to start pedaling the bike as hard as I can, start pedaling, start, start, start building your faith and see what God wouldn't do. In Revelation chapter two and verse two, Jesus says, I know your deeds, church. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know what you've done in the past. He said, yet I hold this against you. Somewhere along the way, you've forsaken the love you had at first. Somewhere along the way, you stopped focusing on pedaling the bike and you got distracted with what was happening all around you. You began to miss out on God's best for your life. I'm inviting you today to plant yourself in a great church. We're not the only one. There are churches all over the city that love Jesus. They hail the name of Jesus and they teach the word of God with all of their hearts. I want to encourage you to plant yourself in a real relationship, not a social media one. Listen, you can can Google the best preacher in the world. They're better than me. You can listen to them and it'd be great, but what you can't get is somebody walking alongside and hugging you and showing up at the hospital for you. You can't get someone who loves your kids as much as you love them. You need to plant yourself. I want to encourage you to start again by taking intentional steps towards God. Don't don't take, don't step back and wait for somebody to grab you. No, you take a step. You push forward. You go after God. See, faith, faith is God's picture of you. And when you begin to take steps of faith, you begin to see God's picture of you. And you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. Amen, everybody? You are. I want you to start living for heaven. I want you to start living for heaven. Don't Listen, the moment I make it about me, it goes sideways. When I make it about him, it all gets better. Is that close? I heard an interview. A 95-year-old Christian lady has been following God her entire life. 
born in the church, raised in the church, went after God, 95 years old. And they asked, how'd she do it? How'd she, how'd she go so long? She said, every day, every day I take inventory. And I ask myself the question, are you fighting off entropy? Are you fighting off decline? Are you flourishing? And today as we close, that's the question. Where are you? You're one decision away from beginning to flourish. Would you bow with me? Come on all around this room, every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you look at your life and you feel as though you're not flourishing the way God intended you, if you look at your life and you realize that you really are further from God than you ever thought you would be, today this is your moment to come home. This is your moment to say, no, 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 I'm no longer going to decline. I'm no longer accepting decline. I want to flourish. This is your decision moment. I won't embarrass you. I will not ask you to stand. I, I will not ask you to come to the front. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're far from God for any reason, you can come home in one prayer. One heartfelt and honest prayer. I'll lead you. I'll say the words. You say it right after me. If today's your day, would you whisper this prayer? Say, Lord Jesus, I'm inviting you into my life. And I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. God, would you forgive me for my sin? Would you forgive me for trying to live this life on my own? And God, would you give me the power to follow you all the days of my life?